So glad you guys could be here today. I'm Cody York. I'm the, the third and, and last of the elders here at Blackman. We've got Kevin and Ken, and it's my pleasure to be able to bring the message today. So uh, if you will, please join me in prayer. God, I ask you with faith to make up where I fail. I ask you to cover my stumblings as I read and as I speak. Lord, make up for my failures when I don't communicate as clearly as your word deserves. Luckily, God, you are a God that redeems our failures. And it is with that confidence I ask you to redeem mine today. In your Son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, as we get started here, I'm going to ask that you listen to this Bible passage. I'm going to read it to you. And I want you to think about who you think this passage is describing. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he, was born, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed... And he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that was led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. But oppression and judgment, uh, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although he, was, although he had done no violence 
and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put, uh, he has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. He, uh, the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So, who's that Bible verse talking about? I can't hear you that's loud. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, right? That's talking about Jesus. So, clearly this passage describes God's plan to send His Son who would live a perfect life and be rejected by mankind. Jesus died as a sacrifice for everyone's sin, but defeated death so that those who would believe in Him will be treated as adopted children of God and share in, in Jesus' reward, unlike those who don't believe, who will be condemned by their sin. A passage, this passage of Scripture, you know, or a passage of Scripture that talks about Jesus is not a surprise, right? That, should, that shouldn't surprise anybody. Not that big a surprise. Unless that scripture was written 700 years before Jesus was born. This passage that I read is from the Old Testament book of Isaiah. It's Isaiah chapter 53. This passage talks about the good news of the Bible. This is the gospel proclaimed hundreds of years before Jesus was born. This is the good news that Christians are called to bear witness to. The last words Jesus spoke to His followers was about spreading this good news. He said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, every time I've always read that scripture, I've thought about that as being an instruction. Jesus was telling his followers, go do this thing. But I was wrong. It was probably an instruction as well, but it was also more powerfully a prophecy. You see, this prophecy was about the church breaking through worldly barriers to spread the good news of salvation that Jesus had purchased with His blood. The news that that purchase was, was open to all people, regardless of their wealth, their language, their culture, or their race. Jerusalem, right? The places that Scripture mentioned, Jerusalem, in all of Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Remember that. So we're going to start with Jerusalem. The earliest church consisted of Jews that were from the area surrounding Jerusalem. A couple hundred people. Then all Judea. 
So all of Judea includes the Hellenistic Jews that had lived all over the Roman Empire. They'd been scattered. And this part of the prophecy being fulfilled was marked by the day of Pentecost when all when 3,000 believed and joined the church. These Hellenistic Jews spoke different languages and were from slightly different cultures. Now this caused some problems in the early church and to address those concerns, the apostles appointed deacons from the Hellenistic Jews to serve the church. One of these men was named Philip. We're going to be talking about Philip a lot today. So the, the next, though, we have Jerusalem, we have all of Judea, and then we have Samaria. So the, the Jews, the leadership, uh, the Jewish leadership, not of the church, but of, of that area, the political leaders, the Jewish leaders began to fear the growth of the church and began to persecute it, resulting in the first recorded Christian martyr, another deacon named Stephen. Fearing for their lives, the church scattered, and Philip went to Samaria. Samaritans were Jews who had long ago intermarried with the pagan people that lived in that area. They were looked down upon as half-breeds, but they had some Jewish blood. They actually practiced a lot of Jewish customs. They, they had a temple. It was in a different place than Jerusalem. It was on their own mountain. They made sacrifices and, and they... Um, practice the festivals the Jewish people did. So their culture was very close. But the, the Jews looked down at them, like say, as half-breeds. They were outcasts. But Philip responded to God's call. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, Philip shared the good news with these people, with the Samaritans. And many of them believed. So we've covered Jerusalem, all of Judea, Samaria, and now the ends of the earth. So God was blessing Philip's ministry in Samaria. When we pick up the story that we're going to look at today in Acts 8, starting with verse 26, we're going to see God bring the good news to the first true Gentile and remove the barrier of race completely from the church. So if you will, look with me there in Acts, starting at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down to Jerusalem, to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. Philip responded to God's call immediately. God's call had very little information. But Philip dropped everything he was doing and he went. Are you listening to God's call today? Are you willing to simply obey? We pick back up in Acts there. It says, And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasury. And was returning seated in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. So this is not the Ethiopia you're thinking about. 
Okay? The term Ethiopia today uh, is, uh, is associated with the country of Ethiopia. But the term then was used to describe a large area of Africa that's south of Egypt. The Jews often used another term, used their term Kush for this, which referred to the same area. So, and the term Candace, uh, that's most likely not a name, but a position, a title of the, the female ruler of Ethiopia, this great kingdom. So, unlike the, the modern Ethiopia, which is known for its poverty, this Ethiopia was a wealthy and powerful kingdom. And the eunuch held a powerful position in that powerful kingdom. His wealth was obvious in the fact that he could travel the roughly a thousand miles to Jerusalem, most likely with many, many servants. He also had a scroll of Isaiah, which in itself was a remarkable thing and talked about his wealth. Now, he was reading the scroll aloud, which was traditional, was a traditional way to read, that, read the scripture. Uh, and also, his chariot was not two-wheeled, probably. It was probably a wagon, this way we would talk about it. So, he had, he had come to Jerusalem to worship God. Now, maybe he was a Jewish convert, or, or maybe he was someone who had heard about the God of the Jews and believed that that God was real, and he wanted... Uh, to come and worship him. We don't really know. We don't know what the circumstance was. But notice this. This man was seeking knowledge about God. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 tells us, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, it is opened. If God is calling you, He will not hide from you. But don't tarry. Because you may not have an unlimited amount of time to respond. Isaiah 55.6 tells us, Seek the Lord while you... Excuse me. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. So going back to Acts, verse 29. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran over to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet, and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is a powerful, wealthy government official who was humble. Now to us in America, this might seem impossibly, impossible to be true, especially right now. But this, this is true. And it leads me to ask some difficult questions. Um... Possibly, probably, more difficult for myself than for you. Are you humble enough to admit when you don't understand things? Am I? 
Are you humble enough to invite someone into your life in order to learn from them? That's hard. But we, we should do it. Back to verse 32. Now the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The man was reading Isaiah 53. The good news. He was reading the gospel. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip, op- Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. We see here an example of how to share the gospel. Philip started with God's word and focused on Jesus. Do you open your mouth and engage in spiritual conversation with people who you meet in your daily life? Or are you afraid of the possible conflict, the challenge? Are you afraid you're not going to know enough or you don't remember enough? Do you look for ways to strike up religious conversations? Because you should. We should be proud of the good news that we hold. We should want to share it with those God puts in our lives. Verse 34, excuse me, 36. And, they came, and as they came, they were going along the road and came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? This is it. Philip had begun removing the racial barrier that was holding the church back, but it was the Ethiopian that God used to finish the work. The answer to to this question, to this why, why should he, a eunuch, an Ethiopian, why should he not be baptized into the church? The answer is clear. Verse 38. And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, and Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized. You see, here's the answer. There is no why. There is no reason. The world focuses on building barriers between us. Wealth, culture, language, race. But God's message is clear. We are freed from these barriers by the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. But we are not free to be lazy. James 1.22 tells us, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Are you a doer? Does the word drive you to act? Or or are you just listening? Are you 
Are you obvious? Do people look into your life and see that it's obvious that the Word is real to you? Or are you just deceiving yourself? You see, the Ethiopian, he was a doer. He was moved to, he was moved to action. Verse 39. And when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to I looked up how to pronounce it, and then I totally forgot. Caesarea. Caesarea thank you. Uh, you haven't noticed reading's not really my strong suit. So. so until we develop Star Trek technology, this is the closest thing to teleportation that we have an example of. So Philip was beamed some 30-some miles away by the Spirit of the Lord. Now some of you may want me to explain this. How did this happen? I can't explain why the Father loves us so much that He sent His Son to die for us. And I can't explain why the Son, how the Son could bear the weight and judgment of all of our sin. And I can't explain why the Spirit would choose to indwell in every believer today. So, I can't explain this either. But, I do want you to notice that this story started with divine intervention and finished with it. It may not be as obvious today, but the Holy Spirit's involvement is just as real. Ephesians 2.10 tells us, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God prepared for you to be here today. It is His Spirit that prepares you to understand this very message. And it is God's love that brings us to grace. Ephesians 2, 5, 2, excuse me, Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 tells us, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He had loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Now, in, second, in the second chapter of Ephesians, verses 8 and 9, we're told more about this grace. We're told that for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works that one may boast. You see, many today would agree that this message of Jesus is good news. But I am claiming it is the good news. 
The word today talks, the, the world today talks about many paths to God. But the good news we believe, that we believe in, is different than that of other faiths. Other religions are you doing something. Giving to the poor, saying certain words, going certain places, memorizing certain things, depriving yourself of, of certain things, or obeying certain uh, rules and, and laws, letting certain things go, or holding on to certain other things. All other religions depend on what you do. Christians depend on what Jesus did. We are incapable of saving ourselves. We are dead. It is only God who can save. And it is only through Jesus Christ, His Son, that He has done so. In our multicultural society, it's hard for many people to accept this. But don't listen to me. Don't accept it from me. Listen to Jesus. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The, the Ethiopian was searching for God at great expense. He was open to the teaching of the Spirit and humbled himself as he invited instruction. He believed Jesus was who Scripture said He was and placed His faith in Christ's saving grace. He obeyed Jesus' instructions and was baptized to prove it. And finally, He rejoiced. Philip was open to the Spirit's call on his life. He responded with obedience. He was bold and trusted God. He never stopped spreading the good news of Jesus wherever he found himself. Are you like the Ethiopian, the Ethiopian this morning? Seeking God, humble, open to learn, ready to believe and obey? Or are you like Philip? Listening to the Spirit, ready to obey in boldness, trusting God. Think about these things. Ponder them. Ask God to show you who you are and what the calling is on your life that He wants you to do.